We just saw the worst loss of the Phoenix Suns season. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll break down why it happened and why the worst part is it was predictable. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Post-game, even on a night like this, you came, you're here, you're listening, you're watching. That means a lot. If you have not already, hit follow or subscribe. Wherever you're finding Locked On Suns today, we're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So just hit that follow or subscribe button, get a new show in your feed Monday through Friday, every single week, all season long. Become an everydayer here with this Locked On Suns community and get locked on to the Phoenix Suns all year long. The Phoenix Suns lost 109-104 to in Portland, and it was ugly. And it may have been the worst game of the year. May It probably was. I'm not sure what other one you would pick. Uh, They narrowly avoided this fate against the Washington Wizards on Sunday. They picked up where they left off tonight, so let's get into it. Today's show brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. We'll talk about more from GameTime later on in the show, but let's get right to it again. 109-104, and we're going to zoom in on the third quarter to start because I think that was emblematic of how things went wrong tonight, why things went wrong tonight. Uh, The Blazers outscored the Suns by 18 points in that quarter. And it made no sense. The first quarter, which I'll dive into more in the next segment, felt like everything was fixed. I mean, you could have convinced me, wow, The fourth quarter against the Wizards was a turning point for the season. They finally dug in, played some good defense, made, you know, big clutch plays when they needed to, proved to themselves that they could defend and execute and win close games. And felt like you picked that right up in the first quarter. Now, you go to the third quarter and it all falls apart. And some numbers behind what happened... Basically, I don't even need to get to the numbers yet. Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons outplayed Devin Booker and Kevin Durant a little bit. Now, you know, Durant was incredible in this game. I don't mean uh, necessarily to lump him in there as if he was a huge part of the problem, but in the third quarter particularly, he wasn't at his peak. He really did his damage in, in all the other chunks of the game. And so, Simons and Grant on the Portland side, created 22 of the 38 points that the Blazers scored. They scored on 19 of them combined, and Anthony Simons assisted another three-pointer that got them to that 22, which, if you look at the box score, is more points than the Suns had total. So those two guys in the third quarter produced offense better than the entire Suns roster, which includes Durant and Booker, of course. 
On the other side of the court, Devin Booker was one of six from the field, did not only took one shot in the paint, which was his one make, but even that was more of a mid-range shot. It wasn't in the restricted area by any means. So all jumpers and everyone but one missed. Kevin Durant, three of eight from the field, took three shots in the paint, made two of them, and missed four mid-range jumpers, made one free throw line mid-range jumper. So, if you're counting, that is four made field goals for Durant and Booker, and then again the 22 points from Grant and Simons. And that tells a lot of the story, but I guess the question is why, right? Why did that happen? The Suns, just everything that got them there went away. They had, I'm looking at, four five, uh, four turnovers, including two shot clock violations. So two, sorry, four of their 13 turnovers came in that quarter, which I guess is averages out to the same as their whole game when you look at it that way. But that was part of the issue. They allowed Simons to get dribble penetration consistently. He was out of the game with foul trouble early, but pretty much didn't have his rhythm because of that. And then from really, it felt like his second quarter stint on, I felt like he was impacting the game really well. And then his shot really started to fall in this quarter. So you, you add him to the mix, you take Shaden Sharp out, who was not really, uh, didn't seem like right. He was questionable leading into the game and then didn't play after the first half put Malcolm Brogdon in, who was just a three-point machine, just spot up everything and and made all of his open threes. And that's how you get 38 points. And it would be more crazy. It would, it would, there would be more to say if it wasn't the same stuff that we've been seeing, right? It doesn't matter that it's the Portland Trailblazers. It doesn't matter uh, that it's a road game. This 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 type of play would have been inexcusable. But obviously the fact the road game I guess could be a, a good an argument you could make for why it's not such a bad loss. So I guess I grouped that in there on accident, but the Blazers part of this it does make it worse. This is a team you should handle business against. And I see a lot of people on Twitter and Sun, the Sun subreddit and just whatever, who are like, this is a bad team, this is a bad team, this is a bad team. And I know people get upset. I understand that's not the whole majority of Suns fans that just think it's a straight-up bad team. But I actually think it's important to realize that this is not a bad team. Even if you're disappointed with how the season has gone, this is a 500 basketball team. 500 basketball teams should not lose to teams that are 7-18 and and 3-8, and or sorry, 2-9, and I should say, at home heading into this game. That's not even what 500 teams lose to. You don't let the one of the worst offenses in the league put up 38 points in any quarter. Especially when, in the first and fourth quarters, Portland looked very human. 20 points and 22 points. It is just the, the collection of breakdowns and 
lapses in effort and, and attention that had plagued this team all year. And I don't know. I didn't want to wait around because it was already getting late to see what all the quotes and quips were post-game and how angry and disappointed and apocalyptic uh, maybe that it sounded in there, you know, in the locker room and whatnot. I'll talk about it tomorrow. But I would guarantee you there is some some nervousness and some uh, looking over of one's shoulder going on and and the like. And when that happens, we know the NBA moves quickly. We know new owners like to make changes. This was the type of loss that puts that stuff in your head. So this is not a bad team. And that actually makes the loss worse. That actually makes allowing, you know, good players on on bad offensive teams to dominate you the way that Simons and Grant did makes that worse. Not being able to get your head on straight and execute simple plays like outlet passes and the, and the rest, it actually makes that worse that this is not a bad team. The Suns are a mediocre team at worst and a pretty great team at various moments in this season. And they don't even look like that. Forget Bradley Beal. This is not acceptable basketball to win any games. And so, yeah, they looked bad tonight. But that's holding them to an unfair standard that actually allows them to not maybe not disappoint you. But the standard they should be held to is still one with championship aspirations. As crazy as it might hear to he- for me to say that right now, that's what they think, and they're still playing like this. So that's my uh, perspective on it, rather than just saying they're bad. It's actually, no, they have a lot of talent, and they're underperforming beyond belief. So let's get into what they showed us in the first quarter, because I think that's also relevant here. And we'll get into uh, some other data points and other things that I think illustrate big picture what's going on here as we continue on Locked on Suns. First, today's show brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors this season have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks he can dig up each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week, Josh and our team are going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Josh picked out for this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Recording this after the big TNT game, which was Warriors-Celtics, where Brandon Pajemski continues to start for the Warriors. You're going to want to get him. He produces. He's getting a look from Steve Kerr. Tari Eason has really impressed me personally, and we know when he gets minutes, he's going to fill up the box score. Josh recommends him. Grayson Allen here in Sunsland, obviously getting a starting look himself. 11 points, 9 rebounds today, and he'll, he'll rack up some steals as well. James Wiseman playing over, well, instead of both Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duran, who are injured in Detroit, and then Malachi Branham, who is still not Trey Jones for the Spurs, but is what they're using in place of him as a point guard, making his threes more lately. He has the ball, so he'll rally. He'll tally up assists. Look at him as well. Josh Floyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball helps you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. It's a perfect day to actually be talking to you guys about how much we love eBay Motors here on the Locked On Podcast Network because I believe all the ads are the same on a TV broadcast like the Suns one locally here when we're not streaming. You probably saw an eBay Motors commercial during the game, so you know what they do, which is that they give you the, the personalized selection of parts that they know will fit your vehicle. They have better prices than just about anybody I've ever found. And because it's eBay and they know what they're doing, they have pretty much every part that you could possibly be looking for. 122 million different 
parts to be specific, whether that's brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, or whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors had it to, has it to make sure your ride stays running smoothly. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, with these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's keep the show rolling here as the Suns were losers in Portland. And I want to go to the first quarter when they were certainly not losers. Almost doubled up the Portland Trailblazers in that first quarter, 36-20. to 20, And everything was, was rocking. Offensively. You could tell from the jump that the Suns wanted to play fast and move the ball. Which are things that they have been trying to do, have had the goal of doing all season, but obviously over the past week, and especially as they've had these stops and starts with injuries, it has not always been the case. But they did it to an elite level in the first quarter. You saw super unselfishness. You saw, and and pace can mean even, they played fast. They were getting the ball down the court, but I thought, equally important or equally noticeable at least was the pace in the half court. The ball's just pinging around. They're getting set up quickly. They're running actions early in the clock and then playing out of that. Frank Vogel has been emphasizing the phrase aggressive to read lately, which I asked him to clarify exactly what he means by that. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Every player who has the ball acts as if they are a scoring threat, which Almost everybody on this team is. And then you read what opens up as a result of your aggressiveness looking to score in order to read the defense and make the right play, right? So they were doing that in a big way in the first quarter. And it was enough to, again, make me feel like, all right, like they they got over whatever hump happened to close the Nets game, all the way through the Knicks game, and obviously most of that Washington game until the last quarter plus. Okay, weird week. The Beal thing was hanging over them. Turn the page. Pretty good prognosis for Beal. Like, that was my brain in the first quarter. And then, it kind of fell apart again. But what I would say about that is, there were still a few wrinkles that that were not positive even as that first quarter was playing right it was like stylistically they were doing the things we want to see from them but if you were watching or even if you looked at the box score it still didn't look quite all the way right and I'm not just picking nits okay the Suns I believe only got up six threes in the first quarter they only got up 23 total which I will talk about to close the show out so, okay, the ball's moving, but they're still not generating threes. Hmm, why? On the defensive end, they technically held the Blazers to 20 points, but I mentioned Sharp was off. Anthony Simons had foul trouble. Sharp also had foul trouble in addition to physically just not really impacting the game. And they had to go to their bench early and everything else. So, okay. Maybe they didn't actually like lock Portland down. There were just some fluky things going on on that side of the ball. 
And then you get to halftime and you see Matisse Thibel, Malcolm Brogdon, Scoot Henderson really turn the game around in the bench lineups. The threes start to fall a little bit more for Portland, led by Thibel somehow, as weird as that is. And the Suns start to slow down a little bit. And then you look at the box score at halftime and it's like, okay, the Suns, I believe, had 13 assists and 13 uh, three-point attempts. Okay, so the emphasis to move the ball and, you know, be aggressive to read and make quick decisions and share, you know, move it, uh, share it, I should say, uh, didn't really seem to materially change the situation. It ended up being a lot of what it's been all week, which is iso ball. In the first quarter, Durant was four of five from the field. Three of those shots came in the paint. One of them was sort of a mid-ranger, though, anyway. Okay. Decent. Booker was three of five from the field in the first quarter, but only two shots in the paint and only one of them at the rim. So, okay, not a huge difference. They just really had great transition scoring and got enough good looks that enough of them are going to go in, you know? And that's not, like, to poke a huge hole in it, but that's what it was. And then you get to the fourth quarter. I mean, I went through the third quarter. You get to the fourth quarter, and it's the same things that have plagued this team on both ends in terms of just the boneheadedness mistakes. Third quarter was, like, you know, shot selection, defense inconsistency, all that stuff. Fourth quarter was turnovers on inbound and outlet passes. Wide, wide, wide open shooters. Weird energy of guys like Nurkic complaining about foul calls and all the rest. Yes, the Suns at the very tail end of the game made a run forced Anthony Simons to make a difficult kind of leaning floater type of, of, of shot to win it over Grayson Allen, who defended it well. That happened. Okay, great. It's the Portland Trailblazers, and you were up 16 after the first quarter. And if you don't make the types of mistakes that you made, you could just make that run in the fourth quarter earlier, like you did against the Wizards, right? Like, these are the things that have made it feel almost impossible for the Suns to even, like, win a game lately, even as they're winning some of these games. Like, they beat the the Warriors, they beat the Wizards, and it almost felt like they didn't. It certainly doesn't feel possible for them to blow anybody out right now when they give up such golden opportunities on a silver platter to combine gold and silver there every few possessions. And so it couldn't have been more polar opposite from the first quarter to how the game ended. And to me, that only amplifies the issues that seem to be pretty deep, deeply rooted already for this team after just 27 games. 
I called it an inflection point on Saturday. Felt like the Wizards thing could have, game could have turned things around. It did not. And we're back to that energy that we all felt coming off the Knicks game. There's no way to sugarcoat that, but let me get into some numbers and other stuff to close out the show as we always do. First, today's show brought to you by Game Time, the best place to buy any ticket because Game Time has basically taken all the stuff you hate about other ticket apps and they've said, well, just go ahead and fix all of that. They have flash deals, last minute. They have zone deals for the area you want to sit to get a discount. Easy to find and buy tickets, including a view from your seat within the app and a bunch of guarantees and protections to make sure you have peace of mind. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat. Know what you're getting before you arrive. See all in prices, your whole total up front so you know what you're getting without any hidden fees and buy those tickets up in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Closing out the show, a couple of numbers to get into. We'll, we'll do a couple of different box score oddities, I think, here. And we will... Yeah, let's just do two numbers. Two numbers specifically. One... It is not a mirage what you are seeing. Devin Booker is not making mid-range jumpers this season at nearly the level that we're used to. All right? After tonight's game, he is at 44.3, I believe. No, 43.3% from mid-range. 43.3%. For context, as you know, that is one of the best things about Devin Booker's game is his mid-range shooting. It has been that way for many years. I'm getting the numbers from past seasons. He has pretty much fallen off this year. 51% last season, 46% the year before. He has not shot 44% or lower since before he signed his first contract extension in Phoenix, his rookie scale max in the summer of 2018. That previous season leading into that summer was the last time Book shot this poorly from mid-range. I don't have an explanation for it. And I said 44% because that's still what's listed on the side I'm looking at. Again, he's down to 43 after tonight when he went 5 of 15. As some people pointed out when I posted that on Twitter, he looks like it looks fine, right? Like I don't watch the shot or a lot of the things he's doing and feel like I'm going to lean toward there's an injury or mechanically like is he having a hitch or like it's it's not any of that it looks the same most of the time I think he's forcing some of them I think he's not in rhythm I think there is something to be said for hey I'm taking a contested mid-range pull-up jumper that I had to create all on my own 
every single time and I'm not really getting any, hey, I'm going to attack a closeout and one dribble into a mid-range pull-up or, you know, come off of a screen and get into that area that I'm so good at or even post up and fall away. All these other shot types of, sh- of mid-range shots we are used to seeing Booker take, it's not a lot of those anymore. And so I think there's something to be said there, but that is still way too significant of a drop-off when you consider that that's his preferred shot, right? It's like, it's one thing to miss mid-range shots as like an aspect of what you are as an offensive player. Like Anthony Edwards, for instance, he still struggles with pull-up twos, but his pull-up threes going in a lot better. He's an elite finisher and his passing has developed. So that's why he looks better out there. But Booker continuing to settle for that shot, which is already not the most efficient shot you can be taking in in a lot of games, and especially so when you're not making them at an elite level anymore, it becomes a wasted possession a lot of the time. It's it's obvious to say it's a wasted possession to, to miss a shot. I'm not even talking about make or miss. I'm saying his mentality now to continue to take them when he knows they're not going in starts to work against the Suns, and I think you're seeing that. And I think you saw that a lot tonight as he misses those, and then Portland turned it into a three on the other end or, you know, a uh, a drive from Jeremy Grant or in the late part of the game, a floater or a hook shot from DeAndre Ayton, you know, everything else. So it's a problem if that's going to continue. And I don't expect it to be that ugly, but I mean, what if let's just say Booker is, he was again at 51% last year. What if it's closer to like the 46% that it was the year before that or the year he played with Rubio? What does that mean for this offense? I don't know. We'll see, but um, it can't, can't be doing them any good right now, considering how many he's missing. Uh, Last thing is just the threes, which I've mentioned a few times already. The Suns only generated 23. Obviously, when you only make five, that's not great. But, I mean, imagine if they attempted 35. If you still make 21% of those, you're making seven now. Um, Or maybe even eight, something like that. Portland only attempted 28. They got a little lucky, but it's the attempts more than anything. And then for Portland... So many of them were wide open. The last corner three that Brogdon hit, I know was kind of in a scramble, but there are just so many moments where, for Lord knows what reason, teams just walk into wide open threes. And I've mentioned it around switching a lot. It happens in transition oftentimes. I think it happened off of a zone once today. It is just more evidence that this team uh, is, is, is listless frankly. And so rather than continuing to just be negative and harsh or mellow, I will wrap there. Do not forget to sign up for Locked on Suns Insider Text Alerts, where you can get every piece of Suns news and rumors with my reaction and analysis. I will do a video breakdown this week, and I will hopefully try to make it something that is not negative, although I may need to do it about why the defense keeps breaking down if they keep breaking down. Either way, all that and more delivered straight to your phone. You can sign up at the link in the show description below or go, go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSuns. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow.